Amen. Are you ready? Look at your neighbors. I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. I'm going to unload on you this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The next Believers Convention is not until next year, so we got all the time in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we'll, we'll let you out at a decent hour. Let's open our Bibles, first of all, to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. We had a, while you're turning there, I'll tell you this, we had a great meeting on the Navajo Indian Reservation in Arizona this past week. Did a graduation of our Bible school there that we started last year. And, uh, it was such a, a joy and a blessing. Then we left there and went up to Minnesota and uh, preached in Sean and Amy's church. Sean and Amy, former members here, they consider this their, their church. And uh, I, they consider me a spiritual father to them. And we had a great meeting there. And then we went to Mac Hammonds and spent a couple of nights there and had wonderful meetings. I always have great meetings at Mac Hammonds. And then we came home and then we went to Decatur last night for a motorcycle rally, praise God. Had a wonderful meeting there. And uh, so I'm with you this morning, and then the story of my life, airplanes, 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 and fly, fly, fly. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So we'll be heading out somewhere else. Well, later, going to Detroit later this week, Brother Copeland. Amen. God has been good to me. Look your neighbor and say, me too. And the best is yet to come. Amen. All right. Genesis Chapter 12, first of all. And what I want to share with you this morning is something that's been on my heart recently. And uh, I feel it's very needful in the body of Christ today. You know, one of the, one of the um, things that the Apostle Paul said would be one of the characteristics of the end times is people would become ungrateful. Amen. That's one of the one of the signs of the end times. People becoming more and more ungrateful. And the sad thing is, it's happened to a lot of Christians. You know, we live in a world today where uh, a lot of people just think, you know, it's owed me. There's a lot of young people that feel as though, uh, you know, this is what's owed me. Well, when I was growing up, My daddy didn't tell me anything was owed me. He said, you work for it. (laughs) And then if you worked hard and gave your boss a good, honest day's labor, then you got paid for it. Praise God. Amen. But if I'd have walked in the boss's office and said, you owe me. Well, you haven't worked this week. Yeah, but I'm this generation that you owe me. He said, yeah, I think I owe you a right to leave right away. Go find someplace else to work. A lot of Christians feel like, now, you know, there are certain things that, that God has promised us and we're entitled to them. But you don't go before God and say, you owe me. <laughs> that's, that's rude. It's ill-mannered. And you need to be grateful. How many of you are grateful that you're born again? How many of you are grateful you're filled with the Holy Ghost? 
How many of you are grateful you're still alive? I am. Hallelujah. If I could get both legs up, I'd raise them. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be able to continue preaching and finish my course. Because it hadn't been too long ago, they said I wouldn't do it again. I'd never do it again. And you've heard the story, but here I am. Hallelujah. And I'm grateful. In fact, I, I saw some people just in the last couple of days. Uh, Carol and I were having lunch uh, when I got home from Minneapolis. And we were having lunch over at Pompadour's. And uh, there was a man walked in the restaurant with his wife. And he was bowed over and shaken and, and could hardly walk. And I thought, if it wasn't for God, that'd be my condition. But God. <laughs> I said, but God. Amen. When you've been told you'll never be normal again, you'll never travel again, you'll never preach again. Uh, Carolyn was saying to me just uh, right after that, she said, I am so grateful to God that you're not an invalid. And I'm having to spend the rest of my life just taking care of you. That'll be the day. <laughs> Amen. Look what the Lord has done. And I'm deeply grateful. In fact, when I praise God, I, I on purpose do it more with my right hand, my right arm. Because that's the arm the devil tried to take away from me. You know, I was completely paralyzed. Couldn't use it. Had to hold it up like this. A dead weight. If I let go of it, just fall. And that's the reason every time I praise God, I put that right arm up there first. Amen. Not only that, but like I told him last night when I got ready to pray for people, I said, the Lord told me, now that I've healed your, your, your arm, you got your arm back, I'm going to put a stronger anointing in your right hand. Get your right hand on people, praise God. Right. Amen. And there has been a stronger anointing in my right hand. And uh, that's just a testimony to the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to be more thankful. Stop taking things for granted. Amen. All right. I've laid the foundation there. We want to talk about uh, being more and more grateful for the blessing and the favor of God on our lives. Valuing it. Valuing it. In Genesis chapter 12, as you uh, already know, God appears to a man by the name of Abram, later changed his name to Abraham. And in verse 2, he says, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I'll make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. He goes on to tell him, and through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we know that the word bless means to empower, to prosper, empower, to increase, to excel. And God said, I am pronouncing my blessing on you. And the moment it comes on you, then you will be empowered to increase and prosper and excel in everything you do. And then it's proven in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2, one chapter later, and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Notice that blessing is already working. He's already increasing. One chapter later, he's already experiencing the results of having the blessing of God on his life. Can you say amen? 
Then, if you will, look in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now verse 7 in particular. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God under thee, and to thy seed after thee. So, If you haven't highlighted or underlined the phrase, and to thy seed after thee in their generation. Now go with me to the book of Galatians. I'm laying a foundation here. I know you're familiar with all this, but I need to lay the foundation first. Galatians chapter 3, and in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now notice the blessing of Abraham coming on the Gentiles through what Jesus did at Calvary. And then verse 29, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So let me see the hands of everybody in here who belongs to Christ. Amen. Jesus is your Lord. Then according to the writings of the Apostle Paul, and the Bible says all Scripture has been given by inspiration of God. So this is not just a man's idea. It's inspired by God. And he says that if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? Look at somebody say, I'm Abraham's seed. And they'll say this, I'm Abraham's seed in my generation. So what is the promise to Abraham's seed in their generation? The same blessing that was on Abraham, on Isaac, on Jacob, and right down the line. That same blessing is on you and me right now. And I'd like for somebody to show some gratitude. Amen. Hallelujah. Think of it. The blessing of God is on you. Not when you get to heaven, it's on you right now. I like to say, I got up with it on me this morning. I got it on me right now. I'm going to go to bed with it on me. I'm going to get up tomorrow with it on me. And whatever I face in this world that we live in today, I have the blessing and I have its assurance that I will excel. I will rise above whatever the devil throws my way. I am grateful for the blessing. How about you? Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I am very grateful for the blessing. Now, let me give you an illustration of someone who was not so grateful. Go with me to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And you know the story of Jacob and Esau. In verse 31. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. 
Now, there was a special blessing for the firstborn. And in Deuteronomy chapter 21, you don't have to turn there, but you might want to make a note of it. This is what it says about the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. So notice Esau being the firstborn. He was entitled to this double portion. But notice he didn't value it. He was willing to get rid of it. Verse 31 again. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do me? In other words, he was hungry. He felt like if he didn't get something to eat, he would die. And in what good is this birthright if I die? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And the latter part of verse 34 says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. Another translation says, He shrugged it off. Amen. It was not something he valued anymore. I think that's the problem with a lot of Christians today. And while they're not seeing any more of the blessings of God manifest in their lives... Because at some point, they don't value it anymore. They just take it for granted. Amen. But the Bible teaches us that we are to be thankful always. Grateful always. Amen. It's important. If you want to see more manifestations of the blessing of God and the favor of God in your life. I think one of the reasons why that I experience the favor of God as much as I do. And I I have been doing this and I give all the praise to God. It's not because I'm so special. It's because Jesus is so special. But I've experienced the favor of God all my life ever since I've been born again. And that's 50 years ago. And it's just kept increasing all these years. It's, It's still operating on me even to a higher level, praise God. In fact, I've told you this before, but in the early days of my walk with the Lord, while I was still uh, living in Shreveport, and during that first three months of my preparation for full-time ministry, I got up one morning in prayer, and the Lord told me to keep a journal of everything He said to me. And I got up one morning in prayer, and the Lord said, There will come a day when your name will be known around the world for the favor of God that's on your life. And then I'll hold you responsible for teaching others how to walk in it as you do. Now, I wrote that in my journal, and I didn't tell a soul. I didn't even tell Carolyn. You don't go around after you're three months old in the Lord saying, guess what? My name will be known around the world. I mean, I would have been the laughing stock of Life Tabernacle Church, you know. That's where we were going to church, where church Carolyn grew up in, and I started attending there. But I never told anybody. I just kept it in that diary, in that journal, and then over a period of time, and, and of course in those days, I didn't even know favor with God existed. I didn't know. I'd never heard the phrase. Never heard anybody talk about it. But then the Lord began to teach me. I believe that's probably the first revelation I got on my own, where I didn't listen 
to Kenneth Copeland or Kenneth Hagin or Oral Roberts or T.L. Osborne and hear them say something about it. Uh, the Lord began to teach me about the favor of God, and I never heard any of them talk about it. I'm not saying they didn't know anything about it. I just never heard anybody talk about it. But God began to reveal to me. And then I started seeing it on every page in the Bible. Everywhere I went, I could see the favor of God, the favor of God, the favor of God. And then it began to manifest. In fact, the Lord said to me, son, this has been on you all your life. You thought it was luck. And it wasn't luck at all. I mean, there were things happened to me as a young boy that there was no explanation to it other than all we knew was luck. And I'd have that said to me from time to time. You're the luckiest kid. People tell me in school, you're the luckiest kid. And, you know, you assume it is luck because you didn't know anything about the favor of God. How do you get favor with God? How, how could you get so special that you'd have favor with God? Well, you can't get so special. You'd have favor with God. Jesus would have to get it for you. Amen. He's so special. Yes. And you're just the recipient of what he's provided. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's a reason to lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And, and, and then I began to realize after I started studying it, man, I saw the favor of God on my life all my life. I just didn't know it was the favor of God. But then when I began to uh, learn how to walk in it, then I began to expect it. I looked for it every day. I expected it to show up. And boy, it has. And I say, as humbly as I know how, and I'm not a braggadocious person, I probably have preached more sermons, written more books, produced more resources on the subject of favor than any other minister in our generation. Amen. Because it's my, what I call my signature message. And uh, there came a time when my name was known all over the world for the favor of God. In fact, a lot of places I go, they introduce me as Dr. Favor. Let's welcome Dr. Favor or Brother Favor. Or they just say, the favor man. And you've heard me say it. In fact, uh, during our Chariots of Light PAL rally that's coming up, uh, I've invited uh, Terry, who wrote a song about the favor of God on my life, to come and, and minister to us during the rally. And he calls it the favor flow. And there's a line in there that says, I want favor like Jerry Savelle. <laughs> Amen. I'm trying to learn the moves. Don't laugh, Vic. I'm a white boy, but I got it. And, uh, you know, how many of you had a song written about you because you got favor on you? Hallelujah. So I began to be grateful for the blessing of God and the favor of God a long time ago. I say to God often, thank you, Lord, that you bless me. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me favor. In fact, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the blessing and the favor of God. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for the blessing and the favor of God. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> and you ought to feel the same way. Can you say amen? amen? So notice here, Esau didn't value his birthright. He didn't value the blessing of the firstborn. And then if you will notice um, 
Oh, where is it? Over in... Uh, oh, yeah. In Genesis chapter 27, when uh, Jacob got the blessing of the firstborn, and then Esau discovered that he'd missed out on it, all of a sudden it became valuable to him. When he realized he missed out on what he was entitled to, now all of a sudden he values it. And notice how he responds to his father Isaac. In verse 33, uh, the latter part of the verse, it says, Do you have one blessing? 34, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said in verse 36, the latter part, and he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? All of a sudden, the blessing of the firstborn is important now. But he didn't value it because he got hungry. He thought he was going to die. What good is it if I die? So he was willing to give it up. Well, I'm not saying that you and I would experience the same thing that he did. But the point is, a lot of Christians don't value what God's done. They just take it for granted. Amen. Amen. I wrote down some definitions for the word value. Listen to this. To hold dear, to prize, to be appreciative, to regard highly, to esteem, to treasure, and to cherish. You, you, you do this with the blessing of God and with the favor of God that's been made available to you. I, I use this example um, my grandfather, Marvin Amos Savell, <laughs> uh, I was born on a farm in Mississippi where my grandfather uh, had, back in that day, about 78 acres that he farmed. And that's where my dad was raised. And, and then when I was born in 46, that's where we lived. And uh, as I got a little older, I loved being with my grandfather. I loved, I loved being on that old tractor with him, going to the field. And uh, uh, Grandpa had a horse for me, and I loved riding my horse. I'd get on that horse in the morning, and I'd take off, and I wouldn't come back till dark, just riding the property out there. And, uh, uh, of course, and another thing was, was interesting about our property in Vicksburg, Mississippi, the Civil War was fought there. And, and when Grandpa would be out plowing up the field, he'd dig up old uh, uh, mini balls, cannonballs, uh, swords and, and, and weapons from Civil War. And we'd take them down to the museum. And uh, I still have some of those mini balls that we would dig up, plow up. And I love going back there on the back of the property because the, the story was told that before the Civil War came to Vicksburg, before the Union soldiers sieged Vicksburg, there was a wealthy family lived on the back of our property. And they had a big mansion and the fireplace, the, the chimney, was still there. The house was burned down during the Civil War. But the chimney was still there. And the story goes that they buried all their precious silver, gold, whatever, 
And uh, it was still buried and it was never found. My grandfather used to have to run people off uh, coming out there trying to find, you know, that buried uh, treasure. And so I'd go back there. When I heard the story, I decided to become a treasure hunter. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'd ride my horse. It was right at the back of the property. I'd ride my horse out there and I'd get off and, and uh, while he's grazing, I'd dig around out there trying to find stuff, you know. And so anyway, uh, I don't know why I told you that story, but yes, I do now. I love being with my grandfather. I love being on that farm. And so uh, my grandfather, he was somewhat of a miser. He went through the depression, you know, 1929. And when it was over with, he never trusted banks again as long as he lived. He never put his money in a bank. He buried his money on the farm. Then I became another treasure hunter when I found that out. And I did find grandpa's money. I mean, it was buried everywhere. It was, it was in the hayloft. It was in his old Model A pickup. It was in the tools bin, you know, and, and I, and I'd find money that grandpa buried all over that place. And so, uh, uh, my dad had, had, was working for the Chevrolet dealership in Shreveport and now it's 1960. And my grandfather's still driving a 1929 Model A pickup. And he, he, he wouldn't spend any money. He didn't want to, he didn't want to buy a new car. This one's still running. It's on his last leg, but it was still running in his mind. Why buy a new car? This one's still running, you know. Well, dad finally made him come to Shreveport and said, dad, bring some money. I know you got some money. Bring some money and we're going to buy you a new pickup truck, a new Chevrolet pickup. And so he finally talked him into it. Grandpa asked him, my dad went and got him and brought him to Shreveport. And he had the truck parked out in front of the, of the showroom. And there's a 1960 Apache 10 pickup, green and white. And uh, so Grandpa looked at it and he finally, Dad finally talked him into buying it. And Grandpa billed out the money, paid cash, and gave it to the salesman. And then as soon as he signed everything, he said to me, you drive it back to Vicksburg. Now, I was 14 years old. I didn't even have a driver's license. And if you remember the cars back then, the steering wheels were huge. And when I sat down behind the steering wheel of that truck, I couldn't even see over the dash. I looked between the steering wheel and the dash. And I drove that truck all the way back to Vicksburg, 183 miles. And I could, I could hardly reach the clutch. And, and if I, when I pushed the clutch to shift gears, I'd have to look down and then I'd look back up, make sure I was still on the road, you know. And I drove it all the way with my grandfather on the right-hand side, in the right seat, uh, right side of the seat. And as soon as we got back to Vicksburg, he took it to the barn and locked it in the barn and wouldn't drive it because he's afraid he'd scratch it up. It's the only new automobile he ever owned in his life. And so when I got older and I'd go over and spend my summers there with him, I'd tell my grandmother, now, Grandpa began working at the railroad. I said, Grandma, let's go to, let's go to town. She said, son, I don't know how to drive. I said, I do. Where's Grandpa's keys to his truck? And she'd go find the keys. We'd drive to town, man, we'd have a ball. I'm driving Grandpa's truck. I guess he never checked the speedometer, you know, <laughs> mileage. 
Because as soon as I'd drive it, I'd park it back in the barn, put the keys up. He never mentioned to me, who's been driving my truck? He, he hardly ever got in it. Every once in a while, he'd drive it to church. Then he'd park it back in that barn. And so when Grandpa died in 1964, he's got a brand new truck sitting in the barn. And eventually my dad had it. And uh, dad knew how much I liked that truck. And finally he said to me, he said, son, I don't want to, I know you you like grandpa's truck. I don't want to wait till I die and pass it on to you. I want you to have it now so I I can live to see you enjoy it. Well, I still have that truck. It's like a brand new truck. I'm glad grandpa didn't drive it. (laughs) I've been offered a lot of money for it, you know, and, and it's not for sale. Why? Because I value it. It was my grandfather. I have, I have special memories about that truck. It's not for sale. I value it. Not only that, my grandfather had a 10-gauge shotgun. Oh, and we'd go hunting. And I'd beg my grandpa, let me shoot that 10-gauge. He said, son, this thing will knock you into the next county. I said, grandpa, I want to kill a rabbit with it. He said, son, there won't be any rat thing left to the rabbit. And he'd shoot geese out of the sky. I mean, this thing would knock a 747 out of the sky, you know. And, and smoke would go over. It sounded like a cannon. And I wanted to shoot that thing so bad. And finally, I, I, as we say, I worry-warded my grandpa into letting me shoot that thing. And we're out in the field, and I saw a rabbit run across the field. I said, Grandpa, let me have your shotgun. And he finally gave it to me. And I put that shotgun up there on that rabbit. Blew that rabbit. I mean, smoke went everywhere. And the, the, the shotgun had such repercussion, it threw me into a barbed wire fence, and I'm hanging in the fence. Grandpa had to come get me out of the barbed wire. And as soon as he got me out, I wanted to go find my rabbit. All I found was a tail and one leg. It disintegrated that, that rabbit, you know. Well, when Grandpa died, Dad got the 10-gauge. And, uh, and dad gave it to me. And, and when I was young, every 4th of July and every New Year's Eve, you know, firecrackers going off in our neighborhood. And I'd wait till midnight while everything was settled. And I'd walk outside with that tin gate, boom, shoot in there. And everybody was waiting to hear that big firecracker go off again, you know. Well, I still have that tin gauge. And it's, it's a, it's, there's probably only three of them that exist. Because it's not like a shotgun. It's a Winchester and it was patented in 1896. And it's lever action, lever action like a 30-30. And there's only three of them in the world that I know of. Well, it's not for sale. That's right. I still have it. That's right. In fact, I've got it mounted in a very special place. <laughs> I've got my grandpa's 10-gauge. I got my dad's 20-gauge. And I got my first shotgun, a 410. They all mounted under each other. In a special place. I, I value it. And somebody says, that's foolish. Why don't you get rid of it? Yo, mama, it ain't yours. <laughs> that's easy for you to say. It's not yours. <laughs> Amen. It's mine. I value it. Now, I'm just using that as an illustration But I value the blessing of God and the favor of God even more. Hallelujah. Man, I am what I am today 
because of that blessing on my life and the favor of God on my life. I wouldn't trade places with another human being on this planet. I wouldn't. Amen. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. Hallelujah. And I will never cease to thank God for his blessing and his favor. Come on, if you're with me today, lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for the blessing and for your favor. Amen. Now, there's a, there's a, a, a psalm, Psalm 109, that mentions someone who didn't value the blessing. And it says in Psalm 109, he delighted not in the blessing, so let it be far from him. He delighted not in the blessing, so let it be far from him. So God expects us to be gracious and, and, and are, are filled with gratitude about the blessing and the favor that he's bestowed on us. Now, the Bible has some powerful declarations about what the blessing and the favor of God will do in a person's life. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And look at verse 23. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of God has the potential of changing your financial stature. The blessing of God has the ability to take you from the pit to the palace. (laughs) The blessing of God has the potential of taking you out of poverty and into wealth. Amen. It has the ability to make a person rich. Now, a lot of people today have a problem with Christians being rich. And particularly a preacher. I was, I was on a flight going somewhere one time and I'm sitting on the aisle. I like sitting on the aisle and I like sitting up at the bulkhead if I'm on a commercial flight. And I'm, I'm sitting there and uh, I, I'm kind of building my nest around me, you know, and, and I got a long flight ahead of me. And a guy walked by and he said, Jerry Savelle? And I said, yes. He said, whatever happened to that vow of poverty? talking about me sitting in first class. I said, I didn't take it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, he puffed up at me like a, like a cobra. You know, want to strike at me. He was upset because I was flying first class. <laughs> Whatever happened to the vow of poverty? I never took it. I found in my Bible that poverty is a curse. Why would I want to take a vow to be poor when God considers poverty a curse? And thank God we've been redeemed from the curse. That's another thing to be thankful for. Amen. Now, the Bible said regarding Abraham, I will not only bless thee, I will make thee a blessing. Amen. And one of the greatest joys of mine and Carolyn's life is being able to be a blessing to other people. Amen. Helping other people. Helping uh, our, our ministry, this church, 
has a tithe account. We tithe out of it. We help people in the congregation. We help other people, help other churches and so forth. Uh, my ministry, Jerry Savelle Ministry International, which is the, the parent organization of this church, uh, we have a tithe account. And we send money all over the world helping people and, and, and blessing people and partnering with other ministers that are doing great things that I'm not called to do, but I want to help them fulfill their calling. Amen. Amen. A blessing. In fact, many times when I come home from meetings and I go to my office, the the folder that's got the most mail in it is the ones asking me to help them. And I very seldom turn people down. I can't help everybody. You know, I, I, I don't have the means right now <laughs> to help every person, but there's very few that we don't help. Amen. Why? Because I'm not only blessed, I'm called to be a blessing. That's your calling as well. You're called to be a blessing. Amen. But if you're not grateful for the blessing on you, and you're not grateful for the favor of God that's on you, then it's, it's not likely that you'll go to a higher level. Amen. I, I love looking at my financial statements every month. And one of the most important part of that financial statement is, I always turn to it first before I look at anything else, my giving. I want to see what we gave this month. And then all year long, uh, I, I want to know. I want them to keep adding it up, giving me the, 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 the amount that we've given. And every year, I'm believing to top what we did last year. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll never forget, uh, in the early days of our ministry, shortly after we'd left Brother Copeland uh, as a full-time employee, we were invited to come down to John Osteen's church, and, and it was uh, a whole lot smaller back then. And uh, they just got out of the, the metal building and built another church. And I remember this conversation with Brother Osteen. And he said, Brother Jerry, our church, now this is back in the 70s. Our church was able to give a million dollars to missions this year. I thought, wow. A million dollars to missions. So what was his income for the church? But he was able to give a million dollars in the missions. I said, Lord, I won't do that someday. I want to be able to do that someday. Well, hey, we topped that a long time ago. Praise God. God is faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, one report I shared with the staff some time back. We gave $2 million in the missions, praise God. Amen. Blessed to be a blessing. Well, I will never cease to be thankful for the blessing. Amen. A lot of churches we preach in, uh, I don't even receive an offering. In fact, Navajo Indian Reservation the other day, they got up, didn't they, Joe? They got up when I got through preaching and said, we'd like to receive an offering for Brother Jerry. I stopped him right in the middle of it. I said, no. Uh, put that back in the mission here. Put that back in your, your church here. Well, how can you do that? I'd go all over the place and preach and not receive offerings. Because I'm blessed. I'm favored. And God always makes it up somewhere else. Sometimes when I've, I've been to, I've been on tours where I didn't even take an offering for the entire tour. And I'd be in five or six different churches, five or six different cities. 
and not receive one offer and come back home and somebody, one person made it all up and sent it in the mail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for the blessing. I'm grateful for the favor of God. You can never outgive God. You've heard it before. Say it with me. I could never outgive God. Amen. Now, that's not to say that we don't need more finances. I'm believing God to build a new auditorium, a new church, and I'm not going in debt for it. I'm believing God. We're going to have a new auditorium, praise God. We're going to have a new church building, praise God. And all the other things that go with it, hallelujah. Amen. And you know how I'm working on that? By sowing into other churches with building programs. Amen. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's, that's part of the blessing. God didn't, God didn't have to promise us a harvest. He could have just said, I expect you to give. Period. But he didn't end it that way. He said, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's the blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. We ought to thank God every time we have an opportunity to sow seed. Thank God in advance. There's a harvest coming. Hallelujah. There's a harvest coming. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at somebody say, my harvest is on its way. That's part of the blessing. Amen. That's part of the blessing. Praise God. Now, go with me to Psalm 3. Psalm 3. And look at verse, well, I'll tell you what, hold your place in Psalm 3. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28 real quick and read one verse. Deuteronomy chapter 28, talking about the blessings of Abraham. You got to become familiar with them because they belong to you as well. Now, notice verse Eight, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee and in thy storehouses. The Lord shall command. Don't you just believe that if God issues a command, (laughs) there's not a thing the devil can do to stop it. Hallelujah. God says, I will command a blessing upon you. Now go to Psalm 3 with that in mind and look at verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Well, how did the blessing get on his people? He commanded it. Hallelujah. He commanded his blessing upon the people. And then, of course, we remember in Genesis 17 that it's on the seed of Abraham in their generation. Amen. The Lord has commanded his blessing on you and me. He's conferred it upon us. And there's not a thing the devil can do to keep it from manifesting our lives if we won't get out of faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So notice here. The blessing is on thy people. And then notice that little word Selah. We've talked about this before, but that's important. Selah means to stop, 
pause, think about this, meditate upon it, ponder it. In other words, I like to say, don't even, don't even attempt to read the next chapter. Because this verse comes at the end of this psalm. Don't even go to Psalm 4. Just camp out right here for a while on that verse. Selah it. Think about it. Ponder it. Think about how your life would be different if the blessing of God was on you. Now think about how your life will be different because the blessing of God is on you. <laughs> Amen. So that's what I do. I don't, I don't just run through the Bible and just read and say, oh, I read four chapters today. Sometimes I never get off one verse. If you say, what are you doing, Brother Jerry? I'm sea lion. <laughs> now, another meaning, and a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people understand that sea lion means to pause, to stop, think about this, ponder it. But another meaning in the Hebrew for the word selah is lift up your hands, lift up your heart, and give God thanksgiving for this truth. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands, lift up your heart, and give God thanksgiving for this great truth. Can you do that right now? Can you selah with me right now? Lift up your hands, lift up your hearts, and give God thanksgiving for this great truth that the blessing of God has been commanded on you. It's on you right now. And praise God, it'll do what nothing else can do. Hallelujah. Come on, Selah. Thank God. Hallelujah. You see, every time you Selah, every time you lift up your hands and lift up your heart in thanksgiving to God for this great truth, amen, then you're showing God that you value it. Amen. That you value it. Now, let me say these things about the blessing. It's what distinguishes you from everyone else in the world. It's eternal. It's infinite. It's immutable. It's eternal, it's infinite, and it's immutable. means it will never change. The blessing is on you forever. And where the blessing is, there's also the empowerment to prosper, to increase, to rise above, and to excel. Amen. Now go with me to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Look at verse 12. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. Talking about covenant people. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. That means you don't have to be a world-renowned preacher for it to work for you. Amen. It works for anybody who will dare believe it. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. 
You are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So notice here, the psalmist revealing to us that when the blessing of God is on your life, it'll bring increase. It'll bring increase. Hallelujah. Somebody say, it'll bring increase. Now I'm going to make a statement. Don't get mad at me. If your life and what you have to show for it is exactly the same as it was when you made Jesus the Lord of your life some years ago. That is a violation of your covenant rights. If you cannot look around and see increase, then you've been robbed. In fact, I like to say uh, a lot of times, some Christians don't even need a devil. They're their own problem. Amen. Amen. Increase. Not only for you, but for you and your children. God includes the next generation, praise God. I'm to be blessed. Carolyn's to be blessed. Our children are to be blessed. Our grandchildren are to be blessed. God, God seems to think that if, if this will work in three generations, then it's perpetual. I'm not a great grandfather yet. I'm trying to be. I've been given hints, you know, and, and uh, but Carolyn and I are blessed. Our children are blessed. We've got grandchildren with signs of blessing on them. And if we can get three generations of blessed Savelles, <laughs> then it's highly probable that it will be perpetual. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm looking forward to be a great grandfather and see the blessing come on them as well. So I value the blessing. I value the favor of God on my life. Learn to value it more. Amen. Now, Oh, I've got so much to cover. Go with me very quickly to First Chronicles chapter twenty nine. First Chronicles chapter twenty nine. Everybody still here? See, the Baptists have already be done eating by the time we get through, and you won't have to wait in line. Praise God. First Chronicles. Twenty nine. And look at verse twelve. Both riches and honor come of thee. Both riches and honor come of thee. This is David speaking about God. Now back up to the first part of this chapter and verse 2. David says, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things that be made of gold 
and the silver for things that be made of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, and so on. In verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. In other words, I value. I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the Lord of my God, uh, the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Now notice David says before the congregation, I have set my affection toward God and the house of God. I value it. And because I do, I not only offer him thanksgiving, but I'm willing to give back to him of my own proper good. See, it's, it's, it's not enough just to say, thank you, Lord, for the blessing. One of the greatest ways that you can show your deep appreciation for the blessing and the favor of God is giving back to him in what the blessing and the favor of God has produced in your life. Amen. You show valuing the blessing and the favor of God by being a person of deep gratitude, but also a person who is always giving back to God. The Bible says, Proverbs 3, you know, honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits and so forth. Honor the Lord. To honor the Lord is not only saying, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You're my source. Thank you, Lord, for this job. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of God that has caused me to prosper. But you also honor God by giving back to him, showing how much you truly appreciate what the blessing and the favor of God has done in your life. I'm not getting much response over that. Amen. If we're truly grateful, then wouldn't we be willing to bless the Lord who made it all possible? Amen. So notice here, David says in verse 12, once again, both riches and honor come of thee. Verse 13. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. And then verse 14, the latter part, for all things come of thee. So notice here, David is not only thanking God, but he's also showing how grateful he is by giving back to God. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How often are we to give this thanks? Always. Look, you never say always. Sometimes is just simply not enough. Our gratitude for the blessing on our lives should be perpetual. It's something we're always doing. Now, Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Hallelujah. God wants to do something in our lives every day. Well, shouldn't we be grateful every day? Not on Sunday. Not if we think about it. 
Not if somebody preaches about it, but always, always be grateful. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says, be ye thankful. The message translation says, cultivate thankfulness. Cultivate thankfulness. The Amplified Bible says, be thankful, appreciative, and giving praise to God always. A thankful person always acknowledges God as their source of the blessing, their source of the favor, and they praise Him and they honor Him with their substance. Psalm 91 verse 1 and 2, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto Thy name, O Most High, to show forth Thy loving kindness in the morning, and thy faithfulness every night. Notice David is highly recommending you thank God and praise God in the morning and at night. <laughs> and there are other verses in the Bible all day long. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. We never stop praising God. We never cease to thank Him for the blessing of God and for the favor of God that He has placed on our lives. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I love what the message translation says. Don't forget a single blessing. (laughs) Don't forget a single blessing. You've heard it said, count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Don't forget a single blessing. So the bottom line is, gratitude is a choice. Being grateful and thankful is a choice. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. And let me wrap it up real quick with this. The message translation in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, which we just read from the King James... David says, I'm turning over my personal fortune. Now, God didn't ask for that. But David was so grateful for the blessing of God that had been on his life all his life. That's how he slew Goliath. That's how he overcame his enemies with the blessing of God. He even voiced it when he came against Goliath. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, I have a covenant, he doesn't. That's how I'm going to defeat this champion of the Philistines. He had the blessing of God on his life. And all of his life, he experienced manifestations of that blessing. And so he says to God, I'm going to, I'm going to turn over my personal fortune to show how grateful I am. Verse 10, the message translation says, David blessed God in full view. Of the entire congregation. Amen. Now David was a wealthy man. And he says I'm going to turn over my fortune to you. What is he saying? The blessing produced it. I'll give it back to God. The blessing still on me. It'll produce it again. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 11. It's, it's possible to give it all away. And yet become richer. David believed that, that he was so grateful to what God had done throughout his life 
that he says, I'm just going to turn over my whole fortune to you. I'm going to give it to the house of my God. And verse 14 through 17 says, it all came from you and I'm giving it happily. He was grateful for it, praise God. He valued it and he showed gratefulness. I'll close with Proverbs 3 verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That's when you honor the Lord with your substance. The Amplified Version says, you uh, or it implies that you will not only experience plenty, but you will move into this place called overflow. <laughs> Amen. Overflow. That sounds good, doesn't it? Overflow, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Copeland prophesied that 2019 would be the year of the abundant harvest. I take seriously what Brother Copeland prophesies. I don't take it lightly because everything he's ever prophesied over me and Carolyn and this ministry, our family, has come to pass. Now, we had to many times wage a good warfare while we were waiting for it to come to pass, but it all came to pass. So I eagerly await every year the word that the Lord gives Brother Copeland. And he said, coming into 2019, it would be a year of abundant harvest. And of course, the Lord told me uh, it'd be a year of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. I always see how they connect. There's a, I always love the way they divinely link themselves. God's going to cause abundant harvest to come to us this year through marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of His greatness. And I, I would just like to testify and show God how much I value this. It's already happening to us. Hallelujah. It's been happening all year long. Praise God. Amen. And the best is yet to come. So I want to encourage you today. Don't ever stop being grateful for the blessing of God and for the favor of God on your life. I asked the Lord one time. In fact, I really didn't ask him. He just threw it out at me. I was I just got through preaching in Keith, Keith and Phyllis Moore's church in Branson. And we were doing a motorcycle trip in Oklahoma and Missouri. And we had about 40 or 50 bikers with us. And I'm up at the front and I'm just riding along. We're headed to Tulsa to preach in, in a, a church in Tulsa. And I'm just riding along there. And all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, If my blessing on your life is designed to empower you to prosper, then what is my favor for? I'd really never thought of it quite like that, the way he asked me. And before I could even answer, he gave me the answer. He said, my blessing on your life is designed to empower you to prosper. My favor on your life creates the opportunities to make it happen. Hallelujah. Think of it like that. The blessing of God on your life is designed to cause you to prosper. The favor of God creates the opportunities to make it happen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. This morning I brought my tithe check to show God once again how much I value the blessing. Think of giving your tithes that way. It's one of the ways that 
I can demonstrate to God how much I value his blessing and his favor on my life. Amen. This is not a chore for me. I don't, I don't wrestle over it. I look forward to blessing God, to honoring God with my tithes, my substance. Amen. This morning, as we prepare to receive your tithes and offerings, think of it that way. God, I am so grateful that I have something to give back to you. I am so grateful that because the favor of God is on my life, I'm going to expect this week new opportunities to increase in prosperity. Hallelujah. God has ways you couldn't dream up in a thousand years. Amen. I mean, I've had uh, uh, letters sent to me by lawyers to our ministry and say uh, uh, someone passed away who was a partner with your ministry and uh, they left your ministry in their will. I didn't even know it. They never told me anything about it. They went home, be with the Lord, and included us in their will, in the ministry in the will, praise God. I'd have never thought of that. <laughs> Amen. God has ways that you couldn't dream up in a thousand years. All he's asking you to do is be grateful for the blessing that will cause you to prosper. Be grateful for the favor that will create more and more opportunities to make it happen. Can you say amen? amen? You got your tithe checks ready if you need an offering envelope for those. Uh, I believe the, either the ushers have them or they're in the back of the front of the chair, and back of the chair in front of you. Amen. So get them out. I like to have it prepared before I even come. I got three amens on that and one holy grunt. Praise God. I said, I like to have it prepared before I even come. In fact, I made mine out last night. It's been sitting on my desk waiting for me to come to church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hold your tithes and offerings up right now and say this with me. Heavenly Father, this is just an indication of how grateful I am for your blessing on my life and for your favor on my life. Like David, I give it happily. I give it rejoicing. I thank you that I'm able to give back to you. I thank you that I know, based on the authority of your word, that this giving today has the potential of causing me to increase. And I thank you for that. In fact, I thank you in advance for the increase. And in the name of Jesus, I make covenant with you that I will never cease to be thankful. I'll never cease to be a giver. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me and favoring me today in Jesus' name. And lift your hands and give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Ushers, would you come and receive the tithes and offerings? And uh, don't forget, coming up real soon, next month, uh, our Church Light PAL rally, that's our presidents and area leaders, 
has their annual meeting. And uh, on Sunday, uh, Jesse and I are going to be tag team preaching again. And we'll only have one service at 10 at 10 a.m. that morning. So uh, Jesse and I will be tag team preaching. And I want to encourage you to make your plans to be here. Praise God. And don't forget now, if you come at 9 o'clock, uh, you will enjoy sitting in the parking lot until 10. <laughs> oh, we might let you in. Praise God. But don't forget that. It'll be a great time. We always have a wonderful service. And Jesse and I tag team preach. We don't even know. We don't discuss with one another before we get in here what we're going to preach. We just flow. Hallelujah. It'll be a good time. All right. I pray over each and every one of you in the name of Jesus that this coming week, the blessing of God and the favor of God is going to show up in ways that you've never experienced before and cause you to increase and cause you to excel and cause you to rise above in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. If you receive it, shout, I receive it.